On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we talk about our disappointing loss in Minnesota and then ram in some Los Angeles talk. If you haven't already, hit subscribe in your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Yo, 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 yo. Hey, guys. So happy to be back here. What a what a great game. <laughs> sad, sad beer opening. <laughs> yeah, open a LaCroix. <laughs> oh, boo. Uh, I, I, we're, we're just going to peel the literal Band-Aid off. I don't believe, as we are now approaching the 12th week, that we have played a single game this year in which a all-pro, pro bowl, amazing player of the week guy has not gone down. The newest one is Jenkins, who is officially out with a torn ACL, and then followed that with, well, Bakhtiari will be back soon, and it comes out that he actually went back under the knife to clean out that knee one more time, so he is not going to be back until at least December. What what the hell? What the hell? This one hurts maybe more than the others. I mean, it's season-ending where not all the other ones have been season-ending, but you just felt like we were hanging on by a thread. We were still going to get some guys back. We were still winning and in games. You know, even the losses were like, yeah, we were okay with them. You know, we got over them or we know that we would be okay with full health. And then this one's like, man, not only will we not be back to, you know, we won't get Elton back. We won't get Bakhtiari back anytime soon. And we'll never be full strength on the offensive line this year. Cause you know, even Josh Myers is still out. So that's a bummer. Cause flashback to last year, I I'm still convinced if we have Bakhtiari, we make the Super Bowl. and you know, we're going to be down Jenkins for sure. And Bakhtiari is starting to look like, you know, he'll come back at some point here, but how well he's going to be able to play um, is up in the air. So that's a bummer. I, that's, that's going to be a, a huge, underlying storyline to the rest of the year not not only is uh you know not only does jenkins go down but also the rest of the line uh played awful um so so it's like a double-edged sword um so hopefully these young guys i mean he's being replaced by yet another rookie on this offensive line It, it might not be a pretty week coming up yeah, thanks for at Hodge NFL for throwing out the stat that we didn't have to calculate ourselves. The Packers had seven Pro Bowlers last year, and through just week 11, they have missed a combined 34 games, and that will only increase because, as we mentioned, Bakhtiari is not coming back yet. Smith is not coming back yet. Alexander is not coming back yet. Jenkins is for sure done, and we'll have to see when Jones arrives back from that that strain, but it's it's one of those things that it's painful to know 
that were eight and three because of those players. But then it's also simultaneously amazing to know that we're eight and three because if I would have said those names of of the studs on both sides of the ball are just not there for sizable chunks this year, there is no way in hell I'd remotely think that we would be currently the second seed in the NFL or in the NFC. Like that would just never come across your head. So it's like, do we wish we would have had Rodgers against KC because that would have been an easy win? Yes. Do we wish, uh, you know, we would have had Jair for this Minnesota game because we probably would have won? Yes. But at the same time, it's like take it with a, a grain of salt that there should be no reason why the Packers are eight and three right now. And if LaFleur doesn't get looked at for coach of the year this year, oh, if right. they can somehow continue this, I mean, my Lord, this is an unbelievable performance performance i mean that's the bright side here they're playing so well with the guys they do have and i know the cardinals just won a game without kyler murray but on the flip side i heard the national media say you know are you concerned about the cowboys offense and the response was no they didn't have tyron smith so once they get him back they'll be fine i'm like oh they didn't have one lineman how could they ever (laughs) score points without one lineman but we know that you know their head coach is a, a genius so maybe that has something to do with it but yeah, they, we played well. And, and to Josh's point, that the the reason we lost from the offensive side, penalties by the offensive line. If you look at PFF's grades, our bottom five performers, four of them are the offensive linemen, not named mm-hmm. Elton Jenkins. Like just just a bad day all around. Yet they still generated rushing yards when they could run the ball. They had to throw it a lot because it was first and twenty, way too much. Uh, Rogers had a QBR of one hundred forty something. Like he played lights out. If you look at he just had uh, recorded on the Pat McAfee show and did a four and a half minute analysis on his touchdown to Devonte and the near timeout, near fumbled snap ends up as a touchdown. And it, the guy is just a genius. He knows Zimmer's tendencies. He knows what Everson Griffin did back in 2016 or 2017. And he plays off of all of that. It was the O-line penalties and then just a few misconnections. Like you, you can't target MVS 10 times and only hit him four we're just a couple plays away even with all the injuries we have man i you know what really pisses me off the most about this game is kirk wanted to give it to us kirk was like no i insist i'm not this good guys my stat line shouldn't be this good (laughs) we're like no kirk you're having a great year keep it going buddy yeah but how about mbs how about mbs going off it was you know when he caught that 75 yarder the whole time I was very excited because we haven't seen that out of him yet. I think it was his longest catch in his career. But at the same time, I was just like, just go out of bounds. We don't need to score yet. Just stop. <laughs> yeah, let's let's actually let's take it one step back. Final score, 34-31. Let's talk first about this Packer offense, which a lot of love was given to Justin De- Jefferson. And I, I he played amazing, although our coverage wasn't necessarily the best. But we had two dudes go over 100 yards. MVS ended up with 123 and a touchdown. Devontae Adams did his thing, catching seven for eight, 115, two touchdowns. Dylan uh, did what he could, getting to close uh, 100 combined yards. Rodgers, 23 of 33 for four touchdowns, which ended up putting him in the talks for FedEx uh, Air Player of the Week. But this offense, not there in the first half. But you could say in that second half, they were just about as good as they've been at any point this year. 
Oh yeah. I, I, even with all the pressure that Minnesota was creating, I mean, Rogers played fantastic. Um, you know, he, he wasn't perfect. Um, two sacks, um, you, you know, he missed 10, um, but yeah, getting it to MBS, getting it to Vontae Adams, you could see there was weaknesses. It's just, it, if just imagine if he had a little bit more time on a couple of those throws, I mean, it, it could have been a just a lights out game for Rogers. So I don't, I don't think he even needed more time. I think we just needed less penalties from the offensive line. I mean, I think well, they, yeah, for sure. Early on, saying yeah. Rogers wasn't perfect. Yeah, QBR of one forty eight, like a seventy percent completion percentage, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Like, if that's not perfect, I, I am okay with it. And and even the contribution from Equinemius St. Brown, that guy just came out of nowhere, touches the ball three times and looks like a legit playmaker every time he touches the ball. Like he earned himself some more reps here. I think the offense and Guara finally looked good. Yes, yes, he had a nice touchdown catch. <laughs> uh, I think the offense was great. Uh, you know, outside of the the penalties by the O line and. You know, if if he just connects on a couple of those deep shots to MVS beyond the 75 yarder, MVS has a 200 yard game, and they were really trying to force the issue there. And and I trust they can fix those issues. You know, losing that game now hurts, uh, but I, I have full confidence when the Vikings come to Lambeau, same players on the field, we win that game. Because on the flip side of the ball, there was the same like just small issues that are fixable, like. It's such a frustrating loss, but it sucks that it has to happen to a divisional rival. But I, I trust we can, we can fix it up beyond the season-ending injury. Man, I'm yeah. just all over the board. I'm down. I'm down after that <laughs> one. And it's, it's. This is a perfect transition to this defense, uh, which just, it, in a lot of ways, was similar to the Kansas City game, in which you have Minnesota in the second half getting a 14-play touchdown drive, getting a 12-play touchdown drive. Like, they're they're allowing these drives to extend out. The only difference is in past games, we've been able to get a turnover. We've been able to get that timely sack. And it's something that we texted about during the game. It's something that we discussed prior to recording. Kirk Cousins wanted to give this this game away. There was legitimately four or five times, including two interceptions that at one point were interceptions and then it got reversed. If any of those things just happened different, the Packers win this game and or Rodgers has the ball with with a, a minute left to get into field goal position. I, I just it's frustrating because you have the Packer haters that will come out and be like, wait, so this is the defense that's ranked third in the NFL? It's like, no, here's the thing. it's a. It, we knew there was going to be a game through the second half of the season that they just didn't get what they needed to get, and that was this game. And I, you hope that it doesn't extend to another game. You'd hope that they pull it together for Rams next week. But this game was due, and it's just unfortunate that we came yeah. within inches of it not happening. I, I yeah, love and- the way you – say this game was due because that's what it felt like i mean the secondary fell apart kevin king eric stokes henry black all had bad games but if you look at just about all the big plays the pass rush was stellar and the run defense was stellar and almost all those big plays that cousins connected on there was a hand in his face and he was about to get taken down it was that half a second off and in other games we've had those plays go our way where i'm there's been busted coverages we've talked about that we we sacked the quarterback 
And, and in this game now, all of a sudden, you know, he had that extra quarter of a second and could get the ball off to two amazing playmakers. Like, give the Vikings credit. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are probably the best one-two punch at wide receiver in the league. And they, they chewed up a secondary that's missing its biggest piece. And then Savage couldn't make plays when he had, a, when he had the chance. Well, yeah, the refs even even, even to that last, even to the last play that was to Thielen. Uh, I mean, was it Douglas? I was right there. I mean, if he just turns around just a hair before, he probably gets an interception. So, I mean, it really was. I mean, they were there, they were close. Um, but when you're playing the, with the speed of Jefferson and Thielen, one mistake looks like a massive mistake, and and you know. It wasn't like the Seahawks game where people were dropping the balls, even though they were wide open. They actually caught the balls and ran with them. So, I mean, for only losing by three and missing a field goal, which I'm upset about, boys, and if he misses one more, if I am the GM, I'm making a move before the playoffs. Not mid-year. Not mid-year with Mason Crosby. Really? It's unexcusable to miss this many field goals. And we're not even – we still have – almost a half a season left. So, but I don't, and you call yourselves a Super Bowl team. How can you go into the playoffs with a kicker that doesn't even believe in himself? Okay. Because (laughs) the kicker that doesn't believe in himself, he's 37 years old. He's been doing this for 16 years. Uh, I'm sure he still has some faith in his operation. I mean, we almost got rid of him once before. And I'm sure the guys that know kicking, the guys that know kicking know that not every miss has been on him. Like, yes, this miss looks like it was on him, but not every miss has been on him either. So they're uh, protecting a kicker on the practice squad every week. So I think they understand there's some uh, potential change there. But my guess is they want that kicker available next offseason as a Packer and let Mason retire or direct him towards retirement. Uh, But I doubt you make a change on a 16 year kicker who's gone through these spouts before he's gone through rough patches before and then makes 30 in a row. And we all love him. I, I'm not, I'm not letting him go. I, there's I always will love Mason Crosby, but I well, don't want a kicker that's missing one. He's missing one a game. Correct. I mean, you just put him out to pasture. <laughs> yeah. I think we've, I think we've had discussions about this. I think he's one more year left on his contract. I, th- I think that's it. There's no extension coming, especially with how this season has gone. But if we also remember three years ago, I believe it was, he had an, a, a rough season. And then he came back and in the next two years missed like two kicks overall. Now, am I saying that he's due for a rebound like that next season? Absolutely not. But if you look across the leagues, and I don't have stats up to prove this, I would guess that this season we've seen the most missed kicks that we've seen probably in the last two or three decades. This is, this is just that. a I bad, bad kicking year. And there is, I, I mean, it worked out for a punter to start the season that I think we're on Bojo train for this year. But I don't know who else we would be able to find that I would feel coming in on a snowy day in Lambeau on a Sunday night game to be like, that's who I want out there other than Mason Crosby, regardless of how crazy this year has been for him. Amen. Good point. Holy moly. But I don't want to kick a field goal anymore. Just go for it. Now, now hold on. Back to the defense before. In this pod, we are covering both the Vikings loss (laughs) and previewing the Rams upcoming game because we have family and friends that we want to spend Thanksgiving with. And I'm sure you do too. So we're just going to make it one episode. 
So before we change uh, topics of conversation and get off this bad note, let's also talk about the guys on defense that balled out. Kenny Clark. Oh, my. Guy with his hair on yeah, fire. Just freaking beast. Oh, my. Can we get that out of him every game? Like I, Lancaster. I think, yeah, Lancaster played fine. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Preston Smith was great. Devondre was back flying around like normal. That front seven was looking good. Even number 40, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, uh, looked great. All you Packer fans know his name, and maybe you know how to pronounce it better than me, and I congratulate you. Kenny Clark, we need that out of you because I think our upcoming opponent, uh, their weakness is in the interior of the offensive line again, and if Kenny plays like that, he could single-handedly destroy a game. Yeah, and I was about to say, I thought – that might have been Preston Smith's best game as a Packer. And he had, when he his first year was just absolutely amazing, and he had a number of times where you're like, this guy is an athletic freak, holy moly. Knowing that he didn't have Gary, he didn't have Z, it, he was, you know, you could see there was times where Vikings were shipping over to, to defend him, and he was in the backfield almost every play, which again goes back to if you're the Minnesota Vikings, you accept this win, you needed this win. We, we talked about it on the preview pod. If they lost, this this season was done. You have to be nervous at the thought of next time you face this Packers team, not only is it in Lambeau, but they are going to bring actual healthy rushers back into this game, mm, even though the Packers didn't have a, a decent chunk today. I, I think that there is – there is going to be what I'm excited about, and we'll turn this to a positive before we turn it to a preview. I think the Packers are fired up to win out in the North. I think they they want to show that Chicago, you are dead to us. Lions, we're sure as hell not going to give you the first win. And the, the Vikings game, the Vikings game is going to be. I I circle that one as that's going to be a game that if the Packers don't come out absolutely fired up then we for sure aren't a super bowl team because that it just has this feeling of congrats vikings you took this one just wait just wait a month before you come back to lambo because hopefully yeah. we'll have a sizable chunk of players back and i uh oh boy oh boy i i even think you put the same players on the field and we just cut our offensive line penalties in half and we win that game <laughs> So yeah, yeah sit everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm starting to lose my hope, my hope. Like our whole trend in the first 12, 12 weeks has been when they get our guys back, when we get this guy back, when we get that guy back. I'm starting to lose hope. Like that time actually comes. This this might just be the storyline of the season. But I think you put the same players out there and we win that game in Lambo. We fix our penalties. Um, we'll see. We'll see what we look like five weeks from now when we get them again. But you know, to Vikings fans, congrats on your win. We're moving on. So let's talk about this Rams team. The game is a, a Fox game of the week. It's pushed to that 3.30 afternoon time spot for all those in Green Bay. I I mean, man, I, I this goes back to an earlier conversation we had that this NFL season, there is no particular team that has come out and said, we would like to be the favorites. Every big team has had some very ugly losses, and the Rams are still in that category. They went out, they got Von Miller. They went out, they got OBJ. Yes, they lost Robert Woods. But you look at this schedule and you go, oh, L.A. Rams, 7-3, and three, quality team. And then you look, they're beating outside of the Buccaneers, not a whole lot of people. 
And the Colts game is skewed. They played them the second week of the year. And we all know the Colts of right now were not the Colts of the first mm, four weeks. They are scary. And here's a little interesting tidbit for you. When you look at strength of victory, and you have to remove the Lions from this category because they have no victories to judge strength on. Oh, dang. The L.A. Rams had the third lowest strength of victory. So when they win, Whoa. they win against teams that have a .35 winning percentage. It is not good. Packers are almost, I think, 16 uh, points higher. It's it's ugly because they're beating the Bears, the Giants, the Lions, the Texans. It's it's not great. So let's turn our attention first and foremost to this offense, as we were one of the final two for a Mister O. B J uh, and within I think Josh posted on our social media within 12 hours of him signing in LA and playing for him there was our there's already sad faces on the sidelines but the dude of the dude is Cooper Cup I I keep refreshing my screen thinking that these numbers are wrong and they are not the man has 10 touchdowns this year and we're not even through week 12 and yet he has over 1,100 yards reception. The dude is just unfreaking believable. They have a steady backfield with Henderson leading the charge. And then Matthew Stafford started the season on fire. The last couple games, he has, has looked as those old banged up Stafford years in Detroit. So what do we make about this offense, keeping in mind what we just saw from this Green Bay Packers defense? I want to start with an article I read on The Athletic today, and uh, the the theory of the article was it's a hypothetical article, and it says each team gets an opportunity to steal one player from anywhere across the league, any position. So uh, fun examples here. The Packers, they steal Justin Jefferson. You might have heard of him. He'd be pretty oh, helpful it. for it. The Tennessee Titans, they steal Jonathan Taylor. I really recommend you go read the article really like funny scenarios, but the Rams have kind of built like this all Madden hypothetical team in the first place. So for 31 of 32 teams, the authors of this article uh, pick a player for the team and for the Rams, they go not applicable. And the description reads as this bear with me. Cause I think this is pretty funny. Les Snead takes all the fun out of this week's premise because he's already gotten out, gone out and gotten every player he wants. <laughs> so they, they caveat with sure a guy like Ezekiel Elliott would look great in January on a team that currently ranks 20th in the NFL in yards per carry. But the Rams deserve no more personnel riches are completely made up mental exercise our rules. <laughs> and I really appreciate that because it's, it's two things. It's two things. The team on paper looks amazing. But to Ryan's point, the last four wins they've had were a Seahawks team that Russell Wilson got hurt and Geno Smith finished the game. And then it was the Giants, the Lions, and the Texans. So not exactly impressive wins. They go get Odell Beckham and, uh, you know, before he can learn the entirety of the playbook, I'll give him that, but just two catches for, I think it was 11 yards. Uh, and what they've struggled with in their most recent losses have been turnovers, pressure up the middle, and an inability to really run the ball. So um, that's things I think we can work with, but it kind of sounds like 
our game against the Vikings where they weren't exactly able to run up the ball. We were able to get pressure up the middle. <laughs> they gave us opportunities for turnovers, and yet they're a very lethal offense. So tell me how this game doesn't turn out the same. Uh, I, I was just about to say I am comparing this team to the Minnesota Vikings. It, it's very similar, obviously, you know, in the backfield. Cook, obviously, better than Henderson Jr., but Henderson Jr. has been running well. But last week, they only had to run the ball 10 times because they were playing catch-up the whole game. That's how we win. We play offense like we did last week, not in the first half, the second half. We continue the greatness, and you get up early, and then you make these guys throw. You get them going one direction because Robert Woods is hurt. Um, You know, they have nice weapons, you know, Van Jefferson, Higby, who knows if OBJ even gets out there more than a couple times, but so they can pop off a big one, but if you get them one dimensional and you get them forgetting about the run, that's when you can drop back, get these interceptions, create havoc in the backfield. Like you said, they're incredibly weak on the offensive line in the middle, especially. Um, I expect us to be back in that backfield, very similar to how we were with the Vikings. Just hopefully the inches go in our favor. Yeah, I thought it was hysterical. Uh, six six days ago, ESPN listed their top 10 MVP candidates for this year. And Matthew Stafford was number six. And I was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And then you look at what he's done recently. In the last two games, both games are losses. And granted, Tennessee and San Francisco playing better as of late. One touchdown and two interceptions each game while also getting sacked seven times. He is, it's a, it's something we've known about since he's been at Detroit for such a long time. He's one of those guys that will sit in the pocket and take the hits. And what happens is he stays and he stays and he stays in. And eventually by the fourth quarter, the dude is just like, get me, some receiver, I will throw it to you. And that's where he starts making mistakes because he ends up chucking it knowing the pressure is coming. This defense, I, I would hope, it sounded like Gary was wanting to play and the team held him back. I would hope he's back out there in Hungary. Uh, this secondary, turn your head, be ready, be aggressive. I would assume somebody like Stokes would go up against a, a cup. But This defense is going to have opportunities for the second straight week to get sacks and to get turnovers. And I just hope they make the most of it because of everything we just said. For some reason, for a team that relies so heavily on their their passing game, when they're actually forced to pass and get out of a balanced offense, that's when they struggle. Yep. Yep, 100 percent. They're they're sort of built like the Vikings with their intent. Their running back was Cam Akers until he tore his Achilles. Uh, So, you know, with that power game, the outside runs, and then you can build some play action off of that. Without Cam Akers, they still like their empty sets and they still like traditional dropbacks with Stafford. And then, like you said, he, he takes hits because of that. So the way the Rams need to fix that, they need to do a little more catch and run shorter plays, which is going to make Kevin King and Eric Stokes be assignment sound and tackle, uh, which had been good up until last week. And then I'd, I would be surprised if they do not deploy coming off of their bye week, a few more of those uh, move the pocket type of rollouts to really offset the weakness in the middle of the O-line and creating just that extra second for Odell 
and Cooper Cup to create some separation. And Tyler Higby, he's going to be a, a, a weapon for them to watch too. So if they can just create that ec- extra second for Stafford, he can probably find some spots in our secondary. Um, I think that's going to be the matchup to watch. How much do they move him around? Because uh, I don't expect them to have much success running the ball. But it, it's it's probably a high-scoring game, you know, barring barring weather in Green Bay. This is probably another high-scoring game. So let's turn our attention to this defense that has their two leading tacklers as safeties. Uh, a guy, I don't know if we've ever discussed him before, Aaron Donald is still a factor. He's got six sacks, which is actually down from just about every year he's played. Leonard Floyd, uh, Manimal. Then it doesn't even include the fact that Von Miller hasn't really gotten into a full stride of things while he's been there. Jalen Ramsey versus uh, Adams is going to always be an exciting time. So where do we feel about the offense being able to continually put up points as they did in that second half against Minnesota? You know, this, this defense is interesting because because we always hear Rams defense one of the best in the NFL and that their numbers always support that in certain ways. Um, but I feel like there's holes. You, you know, yes, Leonard Floyd. I'm I'm definitely afraid of what he's going to do this week. Hopefully, nothing too disruptive. Um, obviously, Aaron Donald. You know, he's going to cause some ruckus. And then Jalen Ramsey, like you said. But beyond that, they're decent. I, I think it's more dependent on their defensive play calling, um, which I feel hasn't been as strong as in the past. Yeah, w- watching the the pieces of the Rams I've been able to watch throughout the year and then reading some articles on them, um, even their beat writers, Josh, are saying exactly what you just said, where they want Jalen Ramsey in on every play. Like They created this defense with the star position that we had gotten so excited about before this year started and haven't really seen the star position take shape you know, to any degree that we can identify a player playing that role. Well, it's the Jalen Ramsey role, and, and maybe we don't have it because Jair is not in there, but they want Jalen Ramsey in on every play. So they want him lining up in a way that Aaron Rodgers cannot avoid him, that he might see number five and say, I want to go to the other side of the field, but they're going to make it so the other side of the field has you know Von Miller and Leonard Floyd stacked up or Aaron Donald in his face. Um, so it's a very unique way of deploying him, but the way teams have had success is they find the other three guys in the secondary. It's very simple, and they said it's simple like – Simple things like just keeping outside leverage when it's obvious that they should have outside leverage. Those guys have not been able to do it. They haven't been playing assignment sound, and that's the way that you can have success against them. So it all boils down. Watching Jalen Ramsey against Devontae is going to be a ton of fun. Don't get me wrong. But how quick can we get the ball out against Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald? I mean, that's that's what this game comes down to. And you can offset that with some running plays. You know, you're going to have to keep them honest. But are you really going to be able to run the ball? more than 15 times and I think you're gonna have to do a lot of those short creative pass types where you you know you do the screen to equanimous and see if he can put two games together in a row you you do more screen passes to a running back and hope that you know, and Leonard are, are too excited about pass rush against our offensive line you're gonna have to generate offense that way and, and you still got to target Devonte against Jalen Ramsey but those other guys need to show up big yeah, and, and Ryan, I know you brought up uh, the, the safeties are the leading tacklers. They're in a lot of the plays. Uh, it's it's because of what Brian or what Dan just said is they're going away from Ramsey or trying to a majority of the time. 
So the safeties are normally covering that area and not covering over top of Ramsey. So they're in a lot of the plays, of, and especially the running plays, because I honestly didn't like – I don't like uh, Troy, Troy Reader that much or, or Ernest Jones, for that matter. Um, Inside linebacker. I think – yeah, I think we might be able to take advantage of that, but it, you know, you do have to get through that defensive front first. So, uh, I'm interested to see what the run game will be with AJ Dillon. I, I think he can really pack a punch against this Rams defense. Yeah, and you look at that; it's a good barometer of a lot of sorts because it's been such a short time ago with that divisional playoffs. Adams is able to get receptions against Ramsey. I actually think they stack up really well as long as you're willing to take the yards Ramsey gives you. So last year, Adams had nine receptions on 10 targets for 66 yards, which ended up being a seven-yard average. So he's not going to necessarily blow away Ramsey, but he's going to find that space. What needs to happen is what happened last year where Lazar went off for 96 yards and a touchdown. This needs to be a game where MVS has a day. This needs to be a, a game where Cobb is that outlet route uh, for if they get pressure on Rodgers. And especially as we've discussed at the start of the podcast, who knows how this offensive line is going to hold up. We had a successful day running the ball. And if you remember, that was where Jamal and Jones just kind of had a nice, nice day. They ended up going for with Dylan here and there, 188 yards. So it's it's definitely going to be a situation that LaFleur, uh, we've talked about it before, needs to game plan that balance. I wish that Aaron Jones was back because I love the idea of getting these running backs more involved in the passing game as we did in Minnesota. But it's going to have to be Aaron Rodgers as that crafty veteran reading the defense and finding what he wants to take out of this Rams uh, very, very aggressive defense. So it's going to be a really fun game. And I just wish that we were, we were fully healthy because I would feel overly confident in the Packers abilities on both sides of the ball, but it's a matter of who's going to show up on Sunday to make the difference. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I'm interested in your guys' uh, predictions because I'd, I just typed mine out. I was waiting Ooh. until now to make it. <laughs> I just I just settled on where I'm at. So you want me to go first? Yeah, go right, right. into it, my friend. So coming into the podcast, I wanted to be predicting that the Packers were going to win, um, strictly because they're in Green Bay and they got the bye week coming up, and it's like just give me one more week, pull through, and we'd go four and two in this tough stretch of the season that I was predicting three and three. And that would be a win. And then we can go get healthy and figure out this stretch run uh, coming out of that. But I just think there's too much in the pass rush of the Rams defense. And they have just enough on offense to mimic exactly what the Vikings just did. So, um, you know, we scored a lot of points and a lot of those points had Elton Jenkins in and missing him against these guys. Uh, we're going to feel that. I don't I don't think there's any way to hide that as as much as it's going to be on Rodgers to put us in the right protection and avoid some pressures because they're going to be coming. Uh, I think there's just too much there. So I got Rams putting up a similar amount of points, 31, and then I'll, I'll have the Packers with 28 because, like we said, there's still some, some guys you can attack in this defense. Uh, and in that sense, we've been talking about already, the, the MVP for me would be MVS. Just connect on a couple more of those targets and against anyone not named Jalen. Uh, get get your money over there 
I, I think he could go for 150 easily. It's a matter of does Rodgers have enough time to get him the ball? Man, I got to change my pick now. <laughs> Why? Did you have the same thing? Same exact thing. No, but I uh, just go over two on it. That's fine. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I, I think the Packers will be in it uh, just just because we've been playing really good ball. Last week was the first time you've seen the penalty flags fly. Um, and I think it was majority frustration with, with dealing with that Vikings defense. Um, they do crazy blitz packages on and off. Um, so I, I think hopefully we got it out of our system. Um, but I don't, I don't, there's no way we can keep up uh, at the end of a game, especially if we don't have turnovers. Um, those will be key, but I have the Rams winning. I'm going to say 34 to 31. Um, but in the end, if we do win, it's going to be down to our safeties covering up uh, the mistakes of our corners. Catching um, a football. So, yeah, catch the football this week, Savage. I got you for our MVP. That's a very familiar sounding score. That would make sense. So. I uh, tried not to be biased this year. I picked a loss last week. Uh, almost hit it exact if we didn't have that back and forth late scoring. I I think that the that there's two ways of looking at this. There's either the Packers come up short, they limp into the bye, let's just get there. Or you take it from the aspect of this is a, a veteran-led team that goes, guys, we are going to win this and then go into the bye, and I'm going to pick the latter. It's going to be an ugly game, but if you look back at even parts of the Washington home game, parts of the Seattle Seahawks home game, I think we've gotten that mentality of Lambeau Field is ours. It doesn't matter how you win. Let's just win. And I, I don't think that changes this week. I don't necessarily like how the Rams have played lately, where if you look at the Packers, the reason they haven't been winning games is just injury bug and other things. I think that they pull it off 30 to 28. It's going to be a game that is just a little wild and a little crazy. And somehow the Packers win it. And they are celebrating hardcore in the locker room, knowing that they are heading into a bye in a very, very good position. My MVP, man, it's so tough because I want to pick a defensive player, and yet I don't know who's going to show up. But I I think it's going to be Amos. I think that he is not only going to come up and help and support – but he is going to get one of these weird deflections. It might not be right off of OBJ's hands as they try to get him involved, that we finally get that turnover that we desperately needed in week 11. But we'll see what happens. I hope the crowd is rowdy. They they finally got away from the in-laws on Thanksgiving, and they can do as they please in Lambeau. But this is a huge, huge game, and it wraps up the six-game stretch that we knew was going to be ridiculously hard. If we can pick out a way of going four and two, I think it's going to be a really, really good spot for the second half of the season. Well, we ended on the right person. I like your optimism. And, hey, nobody get hurt. We get a a bye. Let's just get into it and recover. Just run out of bounds. Don't don't get the extra two yards. We'll, we'll be okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know if they'll be thinking about that when they're on the field. But man, wouldn't that be nice? A win and no injuries, and then boom, bye week, and let's start talking Super Bowl again. Yes. 
So until then, thanks everybody for listening to one of our longer podcasts. We doubled it up. Enjoy friends and family on Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll see what this game will bring on Sunday. But until then, thanks everybody. Go Pat, go.